the wine is shiny, blues up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast. I am super excited today. I have Rachel Bailey with us. She is a parenting specialist who has been serving families for over a decade. Besides being a mother of two, she also has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a certification in positive discipline, and has provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, and therapist. Currently, Rachel teaches parents hands-on tools for raising responsible, resilient, confident children and helping parents find the time and energy to incorporate these tools into their lives. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to talk to you. This is this is a very stressful time for parents, so I think we all need you. <laughs> weren't hard enough yes in this position like oh my goodness yes I know it just keeps getting harder (laughs) I want to start at the beginning and I want to ask you can you tell us what inspired you to get started being a parenting specialist yeah actually I did not intend to be a parenting specialist at all I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist that was my goal and then along the way I got pregnant and had my own kids so At that point, I was doing some work with children and with adolescents, and based on what I knew about the brain, I was doing some ADHD coaching and and a lot of support, but parents kept coming up to me while I was working with their children and their teenagers and saying, okay, Rachel, I love what you're doing, but like, what do I do when my child is melting down or (laughs) doing their homework or not getting their shoes on? And I was like, oh my gosh, parents need support here. Yes. I was a little hesitant because I was like, you know, I'm not like this Mary Poppins person. Like that's not my personality. So it's not like I can come in and say, well, just be calm. Like I'm not calm. (laughs) Right. I think that's why I love doing this because I've been helping parents now for about 10 years. And because I'm not calm, I'm not giving those types of tips necessarily. Or if I am, I'm giving really good hacks. Like this is how I do it, given that I'm not a calm person. Yes. That's how I got into helping parents. That's wonderful. I can tell you that I struggle every day to stay calm. So I can relate, (laughs) especially right now. Like if I do talk about, I talk a lot about how the brain works. Like our brains aren't wired to handle this. Well, we aren't meant to raise our children in isolation and be with them 24 seven. It's just, it's not the way it's meant to be. Well, and I'm laughing right now. I want you to know I'm hiding upstairs. (laughs) 
so I, so I have the the 13 year olds in his room on school the 11 year old and the um eight year old are in my dining room separated and I said to them tomorrow this is our first day full remote and I said tomorrow we need to figure out a way so you're all in different space <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah I mean it's an interesting challenge that we've really never faced before with the, with the schooling at home and the just being together all the time and yeah not being able to touch base with our support. Like we can't go out and have a glass of wine with our friends anymore. It's like, yes, it's, yes. It's really tough. Well, so to piggyback on what you're saying, what are parents coming to you for help with the most right now? I would say it's a, you know, it's funny, actually, now that I think about it, it used to be, how do I get my kids to listen? How do I deal with the big emotion? Those are two things that I really, I mean, 90% of the clients come to me with that, but now it's, how do I survive this? Yeah. So it's shifted. I've always helped parents help themselves first, even when getting kids to listen and dealing with emotions. But I think parents are more aware now that it's us, that we are struggling and that even if we do know what to do, we can't do it right now. So I would say now more than ever for the first, you know, nine and a half years before the pandemic, people were saying, get my kid to do something different. Now they're saying, help me. So I think that's probably a difference now than before COVID. Do you find that you're in your work with parents that you're more shifting their behavior to shift their kids' behavior? 100%. And that was true even before COVID. <laughs> yes. But it took a little while for people to get that. By like the second session when I was doing only individual consultations, by the second session, it was like, oh, this is actually about me, you know, taking care of myself and more than that, controlling my own behavior and dealing with my own, what I call yuck, dealing with my own yuck took a little while. Now parents are realizing that immediately. Like I'm in too much yuck. I can't actually do what I know my kids need. Well, so I've been listening to your fabulous podcast, but our listeners might not know what yuck is. Can you tell everyone what yuck is? Yes. (laughs) What it is and why it matters very briefly. Yes. Yes. um, (laughs) Yuck is actually what I'm known for. It's so funny. I'm like the yuck lady, which (laughs) I I love um, that. But yuck plays such a huge role in everything, in behavior and emotions and everything related to relationships. So yuck is a very simple um, word I use to describe anything uncomfortable. So yuck from a parent perspective could mean that we're tired or hungry or overwhelmed or feeling out of control. A child's yuck might be because they're tired or hungry or a parent just told them no. So yuck is really any type of discomfort. And the reason it matters is because the brain senses discomfort as a threat And when it feels this threat, it turns on an alarm, which is our fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that our fight or flight response shuts down the responsible, mature, like I can handle this, I can act responsible. That part of the brain is shut down. So basically anytime, yeah, anybody's in yuck, we can't act positively, feel positively, connect well with other people. Just everything goes wrong whenever we have yuck. And there's so much yuck right now. So much yuck right now. And I think that I have really tried to be aware of my own yuck because I'm realizing how much it's affecting my eight-year-old. You know, she's my, she's my more challenging one. And I'm really analyzing myself more instead of her. And I'm like, I'm going to that yuck place. And then she's like following me. <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Like you're going to the yuck forest. She just follows right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, it's so much fun. Our yuck, literally, from a from a neurological perspective, our yucky is contagious. Like our yes. Wired to sense us, which I hate about parenting because I'm like, that's a lot of pressure on us. Yes, yes. They are wired to sense us, and they do, and they respond to it, unfortunately. 
Yes. And she was literally begging me on Friday. Can you just be my sweet, happy mommy? And I was like, yes, I can. That's right. You know, but it, it goes with marriage too, because if I go to the yuck place, my husband follows me there and I'm like, no, you're not supposed to come too. You're supposed to stay out there and keep everyone happy. But yeah, no, it, it affects any relationship. I actually am trained as a marriage counselor as well. I mean, I have a lot of training in the, in the helping relationships in general, any relationship is affected by yuck. Anything is affected by yuck. In fact, I, I said in the beginning of COVID, when we were all going out and buying so much toilet paper, which is like happening again with the second wave, yes, that's yes. a yuck response. That's like, we're feeling out of control, but the one thing we can control is I can have enough toilet paper for my family. So it's like, everything's affected by yuck. Yes. Yes. My husband started getting paper towels and yep. food and stocking up. And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, we have to be prepared. That's yuck, right? That's what the fight or flight response does. Let's prepare. And it also becomes like aggressive and disrespectful, like all the negative behavior, all the negative, you know, attitudes and moods. It's all yuck. Yeah. 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 Makes so much sense. It's such a good word. And I'm going to teach it to my children. And we're going to use it so that we're aware that we're there. I Absolutely. love, I love I that term. Chose that word. When I first started teaching this, I chose the word because a child as young as two understands what yuck is. Yes. 102 year old. Will understand. Yes. Yeah. Such so smart. I love it. Can you give us an example of a successful family that you would love to talk about? Obviously without names. Um, successful man. I don't know how I define that. I suppose, um, a successful family to me, is that what you want to know? Just, I just want you to touch on something that really touched your heart that you felt like you took a family to a better place. I'm sure you have many. Yeah. I mean, I feel so grateful because I, yeah, there's so many, but I think a family who realizes that a, they're in this place of yuck and instead of isolating themselves, they actually work through it together. They actually are, are aware of instead of seeing their children as misbehaving, they start to see their children as struggling. Yes. Are misbehaving. They say, oh my gosh, what's going on? And and not that this is an excuse for negative behavior ever, but instead of saying, my child is misbehaving, how do I punish them and make them feel worse? Saying, (laughs) my child is misbehaving, how can I help them do better? And that's really what I think are the tools to help them do better. And then the last piece of this would also be a family who realizes where the parents realize, hey, I'm in yuck. How can I start to treat myself better? Because I actually talk about self-care versus self-treatment. And so to me, a a family who's successful would say, hey, I'm yelling a lot more now. How can I start to treat myself differently so that I can recognize my child's struggle? So that would probably be success to me. Yes, absolutely agree. I think that as a mother, we get to this place, you know, with talking to other mothers, it's like we get to this place where we feel selfish doing self-care. And I'm realizing more and more that if I don't do it, I'm not as good a parent and wife and that it's not selfish, that I'm making myself better by doing that. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons I talk about self-care versus self-treatment, because I do feel like self-care has a bad rap. And I also think that right now self-care is not possible. Like self-care might be, I'm gonna go get a massage or I'm gonna go you know, get my hair done or be with friends. And again, a lot of that is shut down right now. 
So self-treatment to me is how we treat ourselves on a minute-to-minute a, a -minute basis. How are we talking to ourselves as moms and dads and caregivers, whoever? How are we, what, what are we expecting ourselves to do? What are we, you know, what are the boundaries we're setting? Because here's the thing, if we are not treating ourselves well, our brain senses that as a threat and we go yes. into shock and we can't give our kids what they need. So it's so not selfish, it's science. Yes. Oh, I love looking at it as science. And I don't think that, you know, when I studied psychology and I studied social work, we didn't spend as much on the brain as you did. Like you really learned about the brain. And I think that was missing from my studies. You're making me want to dive in and learn how the brain works because you're touching on such important points that we don't know. Yeah. And it's so, it's so fascinating to me. I'm kind of a geek this way, but <laughs> but it also translates so easily to what we see on a day-to-day -day basis and the stressors we experience. And, and it's really helpful to learn how to decrease that stress so we can be that family that just feels good right now. Yeah. Yes, which we're all working towards. And I will tell you that mothers are telling me how hard these Zooms are for their kids all day. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, you know that this is like the biggest complaint right now is, you know, um, I just spoke to a mother and her son was, um, you know, kept talking out of turn and got kicked out of the class or like the kids who just like can't do it all day. I mean, anything that you would tell these mothers? Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's probably the, probably the top, one of the top three behavior issues I'm seeing right now as well. So let's go back to the brain and how the brain works. Love it. So basically here's what's happening. Um, children and adolescents, and even adults, but children and adolescents' brains need a certain amount of stimulation and engagement. It's a need. It's not a luxury. This is a need. They have a certain amount of stimulation that they need. If they don't have that need met, they will find it another way. Yeah. So just like if we don't have food, we're going to go find it because our brain says you need to find food. Well, our kids' brains need a certain amount of stimulation. So what's happening is they're on the, the Zooms, and the teachers who, God bless them, I think they're <laughs> sainted. But they're also human and they can only do so much engaging on, a, on an online platform. So kids' brains are not engaged enough. And so what they're doing is they're finding another way to engage. So a child who's speaking out of turn is simply, that's their brain's way of saying, hey, that will get you the stimulation you need. Children I'm hearing a lot of are like clicking onto YouTube. That's their yes. way of getting the stimulation and engagement they need. So yes. what, what I've started to teach families, I've been teaching this forever, but I'm really focusing on is teaching kids how to create engagement in the task they have to do. So if they have to sit and on a Zoom, how do we actually, I teach in creating engagement with the brain or the body. So teaching okay. them to engage their body while they're on the Zoom call. So maybe they're sitting on a stability ball or they're holding a squishy or they're doodling or they're, you know, one boy once told me when I was working with kids, he said, I'm so bored in class. I have to imagine a speech bubble coming out of my teacher's mouth. And that's what keeps me engaged in what wow. he was a really, yeah, he was a very creative kid. And it's often creative kids who struggle with this even more. Yes. So yes. Really about creating engagement, teaching kids to create engagement, not distractions. I have families look at the difference between engagers and distractors. Mm -hmm. But when we can find engagers, kids do are able to pay attention for longer. Otherwise, yes. they're going to find another way to create that engagement, which is not as responsible. So that's what's this, going on. This makes so much sense. You're taking me back to school. And I want you to know that 
Like I was listening to my teacher, but I was doodling the whole time and I couldn't just sit there. I had to doodle. I was, wow, taught me about myself right now. There you go. Yeah, it's the way the brain works. I mean, we need a yeah. certain level. And a lot of parents will say, well, if you're doodling, you're not paying attention. What I would say is do an experiment with your child. Say to them, here's how I'll know you're listening. You're, you're listening if you can tell me three things your teacher said. Let them doodle and let them yes. show you that it actually allows them to help them. Yes. Oh, I love this so much. So helpful. Um, I'm going to be so I'm going to be selfish for a minute and tell you about my fabulous daughter, Lily. She is, um, my, you know, my older two kids are so easygoing. So when she came out, I was like, what is, what is, what is, you know, and God bless her. You know, she has such a strong will and I don't want to break her will. Like I want her to feel powerful and in control. And this is where my yuck comes in every day where I find myself getting angry and not staying calm with her and she wants to like fight me and so I know that a lot of our listeners are going to be struggling with the same thing so I would love a couple pointers yes so one of the areas I specialize in is not just getting kids to listen but also in raising big feeling strong-willed kids yes yes so I could talk to you for for about an hour I'm gonna hire you (laughs) There you go. Let me give you some high level tips of things yes. you've thought about. First of all, negotiating and being strong-willed is actually a coping mechanism. A lot of people see it as a behavior. It's a coping mechanism. So what mm-hmm. happens is she's probably struggling with something that we call flexible thinking. Mm-hmm. So basically my guess is that Lily has an idea of how she wants things to go. And when you tell her it's going to go a different way, that's when she starts to negotiate. Does that sound like her? Absolutely. Absolutely. Her brain says, okay, I expected it to go this way. It's not going this way. That's a really bad thing. And her coping mechanism is to try to get more control by negotiating or being defiant or whatever it is. Yes. Same thing. A lot of parents can't relate to this, but we really can. Mm. Imagine you're trying to get out of the house by eight o'clock in the morning. You have in your head, we have to get out by eight. Otherwise we're going to be late. It's in your head. And then your kids start dilly dallying. They're not listening. They're not doing what you want. That for us is like, ah, yes. on for Lily, she has in her mind how things are going to go. Someone's taking her away from how she imagined things were going to go. And that's how she copes. Yes. Yes. So ultimately one of the things that she needs to learn it, well, what, well, here's what I would say for you. Cause it does come back to us is realizing in that moment, she's not being a problem. She's having a problem. Yes. That's yes. not a quote I made up by the way. That comes from, um, I cannot remember Bonnie Harris. So I don't want to it's take- It's so it. true. It's so, so true. She says that, but that's what I would want you to do is realize she's struggling. And I teach parents how to deal with that struggle, which we can go into in a moment. But really what Lily also needs are A, help with flexible thinking, but also different coping skills. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. she learns to think more flexibly, which you can teach her. And when she learns different coping skills, that behavior will change. Yes. But it's, it's really about A, us realizing yes. they're struggling her learning to think more flexibly and her learning more coping skills. That's the magic formula right there. Well, and I was listening to her have her fits on Thursday and Friday while we were doing independent work. And I was like, she does not have good coping skills. I have not given her good coping skills. So I have work to do. (laughs) In your defense, most of us are not giving our kids good coping skills. And most of us don't have them ourselves. 
that's the thing. We weren't taught them. Like when I do these, these workshops in person, I say, how many of you actually learned coping skills as a child? I would say usually 10 to 15% of the parents say yes. And the mm -hmm. other, you know, 90, 85 to 90%, we don't know them. So we can't that's teach an, them. That's an excellent point. I have no excuse as a social worker. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. However, <laughs> they're hard for me too. And I'm a psychologist. So, you know, what? well, and I appreciate you saying that you struggle to stay calm because I think that's my biggest weakness. And I give myself such a hard time about it. And I try every day to work on it. Yeah. So right there, just saying, I try every day to work on it. I mean, you can't ask for more in parenting than every day you try to work on it. You really can't. And I also think, you know, we have to understand why we have trouble with it. Instead of one of the things I also teach parents is instead of saying, man, why do I do that? Just say, hey, why do I have trouble with this? Just that shift can really help us see what's going on first. There's always a reason we have trouble staying calm. And when yes. we start to see those reasons, we can start to address them. Yes, yes. And I think one of my biggest things is that um, I expect too much in my day. And I have, right? So I am learning to lower my expectations big time, especially right now. 100%. So I say one of the biggest contributors to parent yuck is unrealistic expectations. Interesting. Ourselves and on others, but yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of challenges, what would you say that your biggest challenge is right now? Uh, for me, it's always also sort of what you were saying. First of all, staying calm, although I've worked for so many years on that, that I would say I'm calm most of the time. That's all I can do. That's all That's I got. Amazing. That's, all, That's I got. all you got. Good enough. <laughs> I'm never going to be that parent. Um, but I also, for me, it's just, it's sort of making sure that I'm not giving too much time to the parents that I'm supporting. I mean, I, I am getting a lot of, um, you know, uh, requests right now and yes. just sure that I'm also not expecting too much of myself. My daughter said to me recently, she's like, mom, you're working so much. And I said, honey, I'm not working any more than I was before, but now you're home. You were in school before when I was working. So you didn't yes. see how much I was working. I'm actually not working more, but it's really, it affects them that I'm in my office a lot with other families. So I'm just trying to make sure they feel really seen. Uh, that's probably my biggest challenge as well. My kids feel seen and they don't think I'm seeing other parents more than I'm seeing them. That is an, that is an excellent point. My, um, my children want me around, they want to see me. So I totally understand. And that kind of goes with my next question. I was going to ask you how you've adjusted your own parenting in today's pandemic. So I think I would say I try, what, how have I adjusted it? You know, we've always been a pretty routine family. So routine hasn't been an issue. We just sort of switched our routine a little bit. But I think what I'm doing more of as I really look back is spending more one-on-one -on -one time with my kids. I think yeah. I'm doing, which seems like, how do you have more time? I will give you my hack because yes. I'm also busy, just like everybody, is yes. that I'm actually being very conscious of scheduling my one-on-one -on -one time with them. And I call it by their name. So my, my kids are Emily and Nicole. So I have Emily time and Nicole time. And I'm being really aware when I'm with them of putting away my phone. I actually have them each, they're eight and 10. I have them each put away my phone. So they know we're not getting distracted. It's like a symbolic, I'm going to be- I love that. And then I'm just really trying when I am with them being super duper present. Cause it's very easy for me not to, and for most people to not be present. So I yes. think the biggest thing that I know when I'm with them, I really want to be with them. First, it's only once a week that we do this. It's not every day, but I try to make sure that's very consistent. 
And if we do have to move it, we'll say, hey, we can't meet. We usually do it Sundays. We can't meet on Sunday. Let's pick another time this week, just to let them know they're important. So important. And you bring up the phone. So I'm going to remember that because Lily in particular hates my phone. Yeah. Put, Put the phone down, she says. Put it away. So I will do that for her. And here's the thing, too, is that she's eight, right, you said? Yes. So she doesn't have her own phone yet, probably. But what's going to happen is she's looking to us. She's looking to you. My daughter's looking to me to see what is phone etiquette, what is yes. phone behavior. So yes. I'm thinking my, I, my eight-year-old is very similar. I know when she gets a phone, if, if I don't put it down, she's going to be on it all the time. And I'm going to say to her, hey, I need your attention. And she's going to do what I do. It's true. I, yeah. If I'm like, oh, wait, wait, I'm doing something. That's what she's going to do to me too. So I'm it's trying true. to be really aware of modeling before my kids get their phones. It's really good advice. Really good advice for us right now, especially. Can you tell us what your best parenting coping skills are for yourself? Definitely. Um, My my first thing is when I start to yell more, I say, hey, what's going on for you that you're yelling more? Like that's usually when I'm expecting more of myself or when my, honestly, when my body is off balance of, you know, hormones going on or something like that. I always try to be very mindful of that. Um, so it's, it's really, I try to use my behavior, my responses to say what's going on for you. Um, and then I also, I just try to see things from my kids' perspectives as much as I can. I really do. I guess this is one thing I am good at. And this is what I help parents with all day long. It's a yes. superpower I have at being able to see someone else's perspective. So important. Yeah. And I really do, do try to do that. That's probably my strength as a parent is um, that's what helps me get through is I can stop and say, okay, Rachel, what's going on for you? But Mm -hmm. then what's going on for one of your kids right now? Why are they struggling? Yes. Can you tell us the best advice you've ever gotten? That's my favorite question. I love that. (laughs) That's the best advice I've ever gotten. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think in what area. I think the best advice, you know, it's not really necessarily related to what we've talked about but it's related to yuck. And I think the best advice I've ever gotten is confidence doesn't come from thinking you know everything. Confidence comes from knowing you can handle discomfort. So the more you can handle yuck or discomfort, the more confident you will be and the better your relationships will be. And I think I try to remember that every single day because I'm not great at handling discomfort. I didn't learn it growing up. So I think that's probably the best advice. Confidence comes from learning how to handle discomfort. That's wonderful advice. Yeah. I need to work on that. (laughs) We all do. We all do. Let's do it all together. What What do you like best about what you do? Oh my gosh. I, I, you know, it's hard, but I love seeing the shift in families. It is yes. so rewarding when a family comes to me in tears and overwhelmed, usually a mom or a dad or another caregiver in tears and overwhelmed. And then I see them just a short while later and they're like, wow, I feel more in control now. I feel like I can handle things. I'm less overwhelmed. That is like the biggest high I could ever. So rewarding. So rewarding. You have such a great job. It's a very needed field right now. So you probably know that. (laughs) Well, I'm grateful to be able to do it. Honestly, I'm very grateful. And can you tell everyone about your Parenting Academy Club? Yes. Thank you for asking about that. Because that is actually where I'm able to help more parents. Because I can't do individual consultations anymore. I just got too busy for that. So the Academy is what I put together to help larger groups of people. So what it really is, is definitely access to me. I do weekly, you know, what I call office hours. So I'm coaching, but it's also so much more than that. I send scripts 
and say this, not that phrases and case studies. I walk people through the process I use to teach parents what I used to do in individual consultations. Now I walk them through in the academy. Um, there are daily text reminders that I send at 5.30 every day where it's like, okay, when your day is at the worst, here's a little reminder. Here's a little yes. tip. Yeah, yes. it's like, we all need that. I have guest experts on. So it's really my way of not only teaching parents the process, but then keeping them on track. Because just because you have the process, you know, life gets in the way. So yes. it also helps parents stay on track so that they don't fall back into the old habits that they were doing. Before. Yes. Yeah. Such so, a good resource. And we yeah. only have so much time to talk to so many people. So this is such a good way for you to get to more people exactly. and give them help. Right. I love it. This process really does relieve stress. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. So your podcast is Parenting Long Game. And it is amazing. I told you I've been listening. I've been learning. I want to tell everyone to go listen to your podcast because you have so many great pointers. It's become so popular. Can you tell me why do you, how do you think that you got this podcast to be so popular? For my own selfish reasons, I'm asking this. I don't know. I, I, um, have been talking about it for a little while. I mean, I've had it for about a year and two months now. So I've been talking about it. Um, and I think because the tips are practical, what I'm hearing from people is that they're telling their friends about it because it's really actionable. Sure. Yes. They're like no longer than 20 minutes. Um, and some of them are less and they're really like, there's like, okay, here's the action to do now. Yes. People are telling other people about it. So I think between me talking about it when I'm on podcasts, yes, people sort of sharing episodes, I think that's how it got to be where it is. Well, I think it's definitely become my favorite. I want you to know that. Sweet. And I'm going to listen to all of them. And, you know, it was so good for me in my, in my, I think in my yuck moments, my new coping strategy is to turn on one of your podcasts. Oh my gosh. That is, I, that is, I really, that means a lot to me. Thank you so much for saying that. I think you made my day. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad it, it really, it's wonderful. So helpful. I hope everyone listening will go check it out. What else do you want to share that I didn't get to ask you? Um, you know, what's your best parent? What's your, what's the best advice you've ever been given? I would love to hear. Can I ask you that? Of course you can ask me anything. You know, when I was younger, you know, like a teenager, I, I would get in this like really frazzled, overwhelmed state. And my mother my mother was so good at teaching me things. And she would say to me, you know, it all always gets done. Make a list, prioritize step-by-step. Step. Like she always calmed me and she taught me how to prioritize because I tend to, even today at 44 years old, I can get very frazzled and overwhelmed. And I still hear like from back when I was a teenager, I hear my mother telling me, okay, calm down prioritize what needs to get done today. And it's really the best advice I've ever gotten. That's awesome. That's, that is really good advice because that is what's overwhelming. A lot of us is just, I always say this when I talk about overwhelm, overwhelm means we're prioritizing everything equally and thinking it all has to get done at the same time. Yes. 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 Which is not true. And I'm like, what has to get done today? What do I have to do today? I have to see Rachel at 10 o'clock. <laughs> exactly. Just Dealing with it bit by bit and prioritizing can really help. Absolutely. And, I sh and I'm going to rephrase that and say that I get to see Rachel at 10 o'clock oh. because <laughs> it has been amazing talking to you. Can you tell our listeners where to go find you? Yes. So the best place is probably the podcast to start because that's really good introduction. I also have a Facebook group associated with the podcast. The Facebook group is Your Parenting Long Game. 
podcast community. Um, and then my website is rachel-bailey.com. And there's information on the website about joining the Parenting Academy as well. If people do want to get more personalized support, which is what you get in the Academy versus the podcast. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. I absolutely loved getting to talk to you. You are such a great resource for parents. I hope they will all go find you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast, reminding everyone to spend every day laughing, learning, and loving. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.